You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. I'm going to begin today with a confession. I am totally addicted to the bar. Wait, that's bar, B-A-R-R-E. So bar, bar classes. It's, uh, there are blank looks on some faces. Let me explain what bar classes are. Pure Bar is the company that I go to, and their description from their website is this. Pure Bar is a low-impact total body workout set to upbeat music to create a high-energy, graceful, yet intense, 55-minute muscle sculpting class. It moves through quick progressions of small isometric movements designed to isolate major muscle groups, including arms, thighs, seat, and abs. <sighs> Please bring a water bottle to stay hydrated. Depending on who you are, that sounds excruciating or exhilarating. So why am I addicted? The thing I love about the class has far more to do with what goes on in my head than what goes on physically for me while I'm there. Let me explain it to you. Throughout the class, you're working each muscle to exhaustion. It's what reshapes the body, reshapes the muscles. That means at the outset of each exercise, you're fine. No pain. As you progress through the exercise, the muscles begin to burn, and then eventually they shake. Yes, actual trembling and shaking is the goal. Well, what do I love about that? I love the instructors. They're all between like 22 and 28. I'm always the oldest person in the room. And these young women are delightful. They're encouraging. They coach the whole time we're working out. Things like this. You've got this. Push yourself. Only you know how hard you're working. You're stronger than you think. You can do this. Well, today, as we look at Ephesians 4, I hope that you leave thinking that. I can do this. We have a very long passage of scripture to look at. George generously gave me all of Ephesians 4 plus 5, 1 and 2. Here's the good news. I'm not preaching all of the text. You're welcome. (laughs) When I prepare to preach, I ask myself these three questions. What do I want them to know? What do I want them to feel? And what do I want them to do? Because they've heard the word of God today. What do I want them to know, feel, and do? So when you leave today... I want you to know that each of you is a competent minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I truly believe that throughout God's body, every member is a minister. I want you to feel encouraged. You're stronger than you think. You can do this. And what do I want you to do? I want you to take a step into relationships in a fresh way. I want you to take a step into relationships as a disciple. I want to read a portion of the passage for you today, and I'm going to read from the message. I'm beginning in Ephesians 4. I'm reading to you verses 7 through 13. Paul says this, Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. That doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given their own gift. The text for this is, He God, he climbed the high mountain. He captured the enemy and seized the booty. He handed it all out in gifts to the people. Is it not true that the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of earth? And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up to highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher to train the church, train Christ's followers in skilled servant work. 
until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without. Fully alive like Christ. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. This oneness that Paul is writing about is not about being identical. It's mostly about being like-minded, about sharing the same love and the same hope for the world. The book of Ephesians contains more practical daily advice than almost any other book in the New Testament, part of what I love about it. There's guidance here for us as individuals and as a corporate body. The guidance is about our relationships with each other in the church and our relationships with people in our everyday context, our work, our schools, our neighborhoods. In other words, this letter isn't just about how to be the gathered people of God. It's about how to be the scattered people of God, how to extend God's love, mercy, and his kingdom everywhere we go. Paul says, God handed out gifts. And most of us read this and we think of professionals. We think of the clergy. Guess what? You're all the clergy. You're ministers of the gospel, which means that you're pastors, you're teachers, you're apostles and prophets and evangelists. Some of you look like you don't believe me yet. Well, I pray that by the end of our time together, you will. Let me be clear. There are some different offices that are listed in the scriptures in Acts and in Timothy, the offices of elder and deacon. Paul is saying something different here. He's not talking about offices. He's talking about gifts given by God. They're given by God for God's glory and for our good. Before we go much further, let me offer you some definitions of those terms. Some of you have been here for a long time, and you remember Bruce Larson saying to you, does this ministry have your name on it, right? Does this ministry have your name on it? I want you to think this as I'm reading these descriptions. Does this gift have your name on it? An apostle is a delegate commissioned with giving the message of God in new, the good news in oral or in written form. They share the good news. A prophet, prophet comforts, encourages others, and speaks truth. An evangelist, wherever they are, inside or outside the church walls, they share good news with all those they meet. A pastor cares for those who are troubled. They challenge and comfort people. And a teacher gathers people around them, and then they pour into those people. Paul speaks of these terms, and he's talking about building up the body, people who belong to Christ. Missional leader Alan Hirsch reminds us this, that during Paul's lifetime, the church wasn't yet an institution or a structural grouping of people or of common practices and beliefs. Here's what the church was. The church was a living organism that communicated the gospel through relationships. Let me say that again. The church was a living organism that communicated the gospel through relationships. The New Testament church has all the hallmarks of an emergent people movement. They weren't Presbyterian, let me tell you. (laughs) There's little or no centralized structure, no ordained or professional ministry class. It was all accomplished through relationship. Every member was a... Paul says this in Romans 12. For as in one body 
We have many parts, and all parts do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one in the body of Christ, and individually parts of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us exercise them. We're God's disciples called to exercise the gifts God has given us. Do you hear the exercise theme going through our morning? I love Hugh Halter's definition of what it means to be a missional people. Some of you heard him preach here. He says this, missional people are those committed to forming their character and lifestyle after those of Christ. And they're people who are compelled to live out their faith in the context of a community. Well, what about the community we live in today? Friends, in 2016, we live in a postmodern world. The world, and certainly the Seattle community, no longer see the church as a place of authority. People are not coming to us. Just as with the disciples in Jesus' day, we have to take the good news of kingdom outside these doors and take it to others. Well, what does that look like? It looks like taking God's extravagant love outside these walls. It looks like taking God's love into every relationship that we're in. Remember Paul said, love is Christ loved. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. Love like that. We are called to love. We are called to liberate people. We're called to launch people on mission with Jesus. We're called to lead. I'm going to show you a really brief video. And I think the images in this help describe what Paul's saying here. This is church, all of us outside these walls, loving others. One of my seminary professors used to remind us that your task as leaders in the church is not to build up the people inside the building so they stay inside the building. 
Your task is to help the church members see their existing involvement, including their work, what they do for a living, wherever they are in the community, as their primary opportunities for ministry. I hope that happens for all of us today. I know you can sit here and you can listen to God's word. You can watch a clever video and you can be inspired. Well, I hope you'll be inspired, but more than that, I hope you will know that you are empowered. How are we empowered and inspired? Well, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we are actually inspired by what and how we think. Paul said it earlier in the text. Renew your minds. Think in new ways. Throughout my childhood, my father was a swim coach. He not only coached the kids at the rec league and at the high school, he actually trained Olympians who medaled. And one of those individuals said to me recently, she said, your dad would come up to me and say this, Marion, when you get on that starting block, if you think I'm going to lose this race, you're probably right. Marion, if you get on that starting block and you think I'm going to win this race, you're probably right. What we think and what we repeat to ourselves matters. Okay, go back to Pure Bar with me for just a moment. I said I'm addicted. I take classes six days a week, and every single day it's a different instructor. So I get to interact with these six delightful young women every week. You want to know who my favorites are? It's those that are the most encouraging, that remind me consistently that I can do this. They also know my name. Come on, you've got this, girl! And at my age, someone calling you girl is a good thing. (laughs) Friends, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit speaks constantly, coaching us. You can do this. You can love that person in front of you. You're stronger than you think. You've got this. My question is, are we listening to that coaching? Are we paying attention? C.S. Lewis said this, We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. No belief will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. So what messages are you feeding yourself? Some of you know, if you've taken a class with me, that my favorite phrase is, practice makes permanent. Not perfect, but practice makes permanent. So I hope today, when you leave, you're practicing new messages. We live in a world where people are very, very informed about the church today. In fact, when I go to parties, I stand and chat with people for a little while, and it's all good until I say what? I'm a pastor. Yeah, the cheese stands alone after that, let me tell you. (laughs) You can actually see them replaying the conversation and thinking, did I curse? Did I curse while I was talking to her? So... Being a pastor actually gets in the way of those relationships. Hugh Halter and Brian Smay in their great book, Tangible Kingdom, say this. People in America are not ignorant of Christianity. They've heard the message. They've seen our churches. They've seen our fish stickers on our cars. They've seen so much of pop Christian culture that they have a programmed response to us. And it's this, ignore, ignore, ignore. They say what's needed is a change of parameters, something that will alter the other person's emotional response to us as Christians. Well, how do we create that scenario? There's one way. We show up and we love them radically, ridiculously, extravagantly. We change their mind about Jesus because they experience his love. Our only hope, my friends, is to follow Jesus' example, to get out of here and go love others. Love them with a love that they cannot ignore. 1 Thessalonians says it this way. 
We never threw our weight around or tried to come across as important when we were with you. We weren't aloof. We just took you exactly as you are. We cared for you the way a mother cares for her children. We loved you dearly. Not content just to pass on a message. We wanted to give you our very hearts, and we did. This is the kind of love I'm talking about. You know, people actually belong with us and to us before they believe in Jesus Christ. And that's good news, friends, because it takes the pressure off of us. We can leave the whole conversion thing up to God. That's his work. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, not ours. Our opportunity, our call is to go out in love. My friend Jennifer does this, much like Carol and the ladies of the street, although Jennifer's friends are not called the ladies of the street. (laughs) Jennifer invites people to her home. She gathers them up around her table. And as she talks about it, she always tells me, I don't have enough chairs. People have to sit on the floor and they're just gathered kind of like a family reunion. It's messy and chaotic and we hang out and we have food and sometimes we play games. And over the course of a few months, they come back for another meal, come back for another meal, and then she just offers an invitation. She says, do you want to come with me? I'm going over to UPC, to Street Youth Ministry. We help out these kids who are living on the streets in Seattle. And she said, you know, we need to clean up the building. Anybody want to go? I think there were 18 of them here. Digging in the garden, mopping floors, sorting clothes. They came because Jennifer loves them. And what they experienced while they were here is that other people loved them too. They met some of our staff members and they said to Jen later, this place is different. This isn't like any other church we've experienced. She just keeps loving them. My friend Matt, who lives in El Cerrito, gathers people a different way. He hosts an event called Burning Loaf. No, really, Burning Loaf. Guys gather from all different walks of life, all ages and stages, and they their goal every year is to make a world record-sized meatloaf. So I have a picture of it for you. There you go. There's Burning Loaf. This is the 2015 model, and um, it's 264 pounds of meat. Yum. Ugh. So what do, what do they do? They just started in 2004. They started inviting a friend and then another friend and another friend. And now there's dozens of these guys. They get together. They build the loaf while the loaf is baking. They drink wine and beer and talk. Now the mayor of El Cerrito comes to it every year. And the unique thing they do is they say, let's do some good while we're gathered together for fun. And uh, they started gathering up money and giving it away. This year they gave over $17,000 to Doctors Without Borders. It's not rocket science. It's a meatloaf. (laughs) You're stronger than you think. You can do this. It's really simple, my friends. How we treat others influences what they believe about God. In every conversation, we have the opportunity to influence someone else just by loving them, by listening, and by showing up. Halter says this. I think it's genius. If you look like you've got an agenda with another person other than loving, listening, or blessing, your God ends up looking like a conquistador instead of a compassionate king. I think a meatloaf screams compassionate king. (laughs) We are here at UPC to continually equip you as disciples. You'll find online right now, Journey to the Tangible Kingdom, where you can learn about missional community, what that looks like. 
We have some great speakers coming while George is resting on sabbatical. They're going to equip you for ministry outside these walls. And we have some other things coming in the fall. But you know what? Please don't wait until fall to do something. There are people in your life every day that need to know Jesus loves them. They need to know they belong. I want to give you three really practical ideas for this summer. Yes, we're Presbyterian, so there are three. (laughs) Simple things you can do to impact others with God's love. The first is this. Dining is divine. Dining is divine. We are meant to be gathered around the table. It's why we look at this table every week. Jesus gathered with his friends. So my challenge and invitation to you is this. Invite one person to share three meals with you this summer. One person to come share three meals. Let it be easy, casual, a barbecue, walk around Green Lake and, and go to one of the restaurants there. Just invite them to belong in your family. Show them hospitality, show them love. The second is this, think and pray outside the box or outside the church. If you did an audit right now of all of your friendships, how many of those would be with people who are not from this community? Many, I'm sure. So pick two. Pick two people and then commit to praying for them daily throughout this summer. My guess is your conversations with them will change because you're offering them to Jesus every day. So pick two and think and pray outside the church box. The third is this. It's really easy. Play. What do you love to do? You water ski. You do family game night. Invite someone to join you. Let them feel welcome. Help them to feel like they belong. Take them to the pub with you. My friend Julie met Jesus in a pub. She was in grad school at the University of Chicago, and every Wednesday night was pub night for the B-school students. And when she arrived at the university, she uh, not only was detached from the church, she didn't like the church. She had had a really negative experience growing up. And then she encountered these Christians at pub night. There were like four or five of them. And they were there with her every week and just hung out and chatted. And eventually they talked about how Jesus was influencing their life. And they were loving on her, listening to her story. Two years, two years of Wednesday nights it took. And one night she finally said, I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to, I want to know what it means because you guys are different than the things I've experienced. And right there in that really loud pub over a beer, she invited Jesus into her heart. Meatloaf, beer, who knew things went so well with Jesus? Who knew? Amen. Some of you may still be thinking, I'm not really equipped to do this, and I have news for you. Conversion is commission. The moment you say, I'm in love with Jesus, as Carol did. The moment you say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. You're commissioned to go out and be good news with other people. Don't think so? Well, how married were you when you left the altar? You were actually married. Five years later, were you still? Yeah, married, same amount of married, more experience. Okay. You're converted, be commissioned, come back, get experience. Come back, debrief it with us, and we'll send you right back out again. I love the launch in that video, right? I probably won't launch you that way. You can do this. You are competent ministers of the gospel. Discipleship is this, my friends. It's bringing people closer to Jesus, teaching them his ways. It's really just about loving people, letting them know they belong. And because they belong to Jesus, they belong with you. Expose those around you to the grace and mercy and tender love of Jesus. Nadia Weberbolt is a Lutheran pastor. She has this great book called Accidental Saints. And she says this, 
Never once did Jesus scan the room for the best example of holy living and send that person. Instead, he always sent stumblers and sinners. From one stumbler and sinner to some others, get out of here. You're stronger than you think. Go out and love extravagantly, ridiculously, so that others, when they brush up against you, brush up against the kingdom of our mighty God. Please pray with me. God, we love you, and that's why we're gathered here to worship you. Shape our minds, God. Encourage our hearts. Help us to hear your call to action. We are your commissioned ambassadors of love. So help us, Jesus, to know that no matter what we do, we are your pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles. We are called to love others with your love. Inspire and empower us today by your Holy Spirit. And it is in your Son's precious name that we pray. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.